Hello and welcome to Making It, the podcast about making theatre and making it as an artist. I'm your host, Tammy Wilkie, and each week I'll be chatting to an emerging playwright, theatre maker or theatre company about how they make theatre, why they make theatre and what they do to survive. Outbox is a theatre company that makes theatre queerly. They're known for collaborating with LGBTQ plus performers, artists and communities to tell stories in bold and exciting ways. I first came across their work when I saw The Amazing and The Rest of Me Floats at the Bush Theatre in February this year. Devised by a cast of trans, non-binary and queer performers, it weaved autobiographical stories, stand-up, pop music and dance to create one of the most exciting celebrations of gender identity and queerness I have ever seen. It was constantly surprising, structurally ingenious and had so much rigour and dramaturgical courage. It was such a pleasure to watch and it felt historic to see a queer devised show on the main stage of such a major theatre. So I'm so pleased to have you today. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> can you please introduce yourself with your name and your pronouns, just so everyone can know wh- whose voice is whose? Um, my name's Ben. Um, I use he, him, or they. Mm-hmm. My name's Emily. I use she, her pronouns. Mm-hmm. My name's Yaz. I use they, them pronouns. Great. My first question is kind of for you all in separate capacities. How did you each get into theatre? Start with Yaz. So I used to be really into sport and I used to be quite um, a good badminton player. And then mm. my mum had an affair with my coach and I... <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> it's going to be a good podcast. Um, <laughs> incredible opener. Yeah, it was quite dark. Um, so <laughs> she she did that. Cool. Love you, mum. You're listening. Um, and I just was really, just didn't want to do sports. So I just started doing drama and... Um, I got really into it, but it was quite late. It was like when I was 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And then I met some people and I just really connected in that space. Mm. Obviously, I was gay, but I was really repressed at the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just found like this community and I thought, yeah, this is it. So I went gun home with the drama, quit the sport, never play badminton again. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Wow. And like after like discovering at school. Yeah. What, um, what so then I auditioned for drama school. Mm-hmm. Um I went and did a year course at Drama Centre mm-hmm. um, and then went to East 15 and did a contemporary theatre course, which was like more devising and stuff. Mm. And then, um, yeah, just kind of met Ben a couple of years after leaving drama school and realised mm. that I could play a, a lesbian um, <laughs> or someone queer or and um, started working for Outbox then. And um, yeah, basically my acting careers really moved and changed in terms of like the landscape of the um the industry so Mm. um I never thought I could be this person and work as an actor so Mm. I was really like pretending to be a woman um Mm. quite a lot of the time so um my first headshot out of drama school is like fucking crazy so (laughs) I don't know yeah so it's interesting now um feel more like myself but yeah there's a lot of times it's really hard to see a space for myself as an as an actor um coming out of a system like that Mm. for sure Mm. yeah my butchness was really you know stamped down at drama school Mm. like one of my teachers like you walk like a truck driver oh my god and I'd be like oh okay (laughs) so what's wrong with that yeah I was like maybe like I'm a hot truck driver yeah (laughs) I don't know yeah so it's all that stuff like I always played the ingenue cis you know dress wearing high heels wearing characters I could do it but it's a bit Mm. like a drag drag situation mm, yeah. going on here um but it was you know whatever no disrespect but i just don't think drama schools know what to do with people that maybe are queer or trans mm. so maybe now they do but this is 10 years ago i'm a dinosaur so. <laughs> not a dinosaur at all yeah sure i'm still going out for 18 year olds so <laughs> yeah you definitely me. don't look like yeah it was 10 years ago i'm 30 tell me. <laughs> really yeah really yeah. oh my god 
You look so youthful. Thank you. Great. Love you. Thanks, mate. And what about you, Emily? Um, so I was like very into, I would get taken to see a lot of theater, like West End shows as a kid, but mm. it was never really something that I engaged with on a big level beyond like being the Tin Man in my year six play <laughs> of Wizard of Oz, which oh. was great. Uh, it was a very good look, silver face paint and everything. Mm. Um, so I went to music school. I was mm. a, I w- my main performance was through music. Right. Um, I didn't start getting into theatre performing really beyond um, until uh, Gendered Intelligence, who are a trans organisation, mm. uh, ran an acting course to try and get more trans people into theatre. Oh, cool. That was around with the Central School of Speech and Drama. Mm. And uh, uh, Barry, who was in And the Rest of Me Floats, was actually uh, one of the tutors on that course. Wow. Which is great. So when I got involved with this show, it was kind of full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, from there, I started, you know, appearing in small projects mm-hmm. that friends were writing, um, kind of did more short courses to do with devising and everything. Um, and the rest of me floats, the original run in 2017 was kind of the first major project that I'd really done. Mm-hmm. I hadn't gone to drama school or anything. It was mainly just kind of learning on the job. So yeah, yeah I was really grateful for that opportunity. And that's led to a bunch of other really exciting things. Oh, cool. Yeah. Amazing. What about you, Ben? Yeah, so I suppose I grew up in a house where theatre just wasn't an option, really. It wasn't something that was spoken about. Mm. Um, I went to a comp in Swindon. Mm -hmm. Theatre wasn't encouraged. Mm. Um, So it wasn't something that was kind of in my landscape at all. Um, And I left school when I was 16 and started uh, at a college and uh, as the cliche goes, there was an amazing drama teacher there. Mm. Her name's Sharon Hodge. Let's give her a shout out. Love you, she Sharon. Was a, yeah, she was an amazing um, drama teacher who really inspired me. And I realised it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Mm. Like when we had school plays, at, at, um, I never auditioned for them because it was the kind of thing that you'd get like your head kicked in for. Oh. So like, um, I never, honestly, it was never something that I, I, I thought about doing mm. until I had this really brilliant teacher. Um, and then realised that um, I wanted to work in theatre or initially thought I wanted to be an actor. Mm. I think that's the way sort of people start because you think that's the only thing sort of open to you. So I went to uni and studied drama and then started, um, uh, did some acting and then started directing really and Mm. doing a lot of um, sort of participation work and outreach as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And Outbooks came about the sort of marriage of that really sort of mm. directing shows but also really wanting to connect with lgbtq plus community how mm. could we sort of make the participation work and the artistic work work together and, mm. and not make not make either of those things feel compromised mm. I suppose. and so that leads me on very well to the next <laughs> question how did it start like how was it formed well it started um just with me um in t- 2010 so nearly 10 years ago Mm. as a bit of an experiment really because um I sort of noticed that the only kind of theatre that I saw that was LGBTQ wasn't LGBTQ it was Mm. kind of um and no disrespect to this kind of theatre but it was often cis gay male theatre often uh kind of tops off chiseled good (laughs) looking Mm. uh you know often not even gay performers playing those parts Mm. and uh, and only in kind of you know very few fringe theaters Mm. i didn't see a kind of wealth of queer theater Mm. and um i didn't see many identities represented in that theater Mm -hmm. um and i was also really interested in the way that form operates within that um, Mm. and how actually 
it's not just about sort of putting queer actors into a a heteronormative or straight form Mm. how might you bend and play with that form Mm -hmm. so it started off with with that idea and and also from a lot of mates of mine who like Yaz was talking about that Mm. idea that um, they never got to express themselves they never got to live in their identity or Mm. play their gender or play their sexuality uh, Mm. as an actor and so I wanted to start something that that gave actors and performers that opportunity Mm. Um, and to tell those stories that we don't hear that there's so many unheard and interesting stories particularly sort of um, from from older people and and across you know those intersectional stories that aren't just White cis stories. Mm. Um, I thought there's such a wealth of stories here that um, that are theatrical and that that need to be told. Mm. Really, so that's where it came from, and um, started off just putting an advert, <laughs> putting advert <laughs> out <laughs> like online, and and a couple of magazines ran it, and we just asked if anybody wanted to come and do this project. Mm. So we just did two weeks. Um, if you wanted to be in it, you just turned up. I think 15 people turned up, mm. and I didn't know who they were going to be. Mm and was really surprised then at the experience so there were people I think one one kid who was a kid who was about 17 had kind of not come out to his family didn't even tell his family where he was coming got on the train to London to do the project but then other people that had done three years at drama school and gone god I've never had this opportunity Mm. Uh, and it and it so we did two weeks rehearsal we put on a show for a night and it it made me realize that there was an appetite for this and that actually there was there was there was something in this that we could that could flourish in a way Mm. I think it's so interesting like queer actors feeling like I've never got to play like something close to my identity because it's it's interesting with what you were saying as where it's kind of like you kind of want to be able to play anything but also that instinct and desire to also play something that's close and true to you yeah I mean you are competing with people that are literally playing themselves so Mm. you're not having the same experience as everyone in that class and basically when you get out of an institution or a training you know the only thing you can do is play yourself like I'm never going to be some fucking fit girl to a (laughs) girl playing a fit girl like it's just not me so like why would they cast me Mm. what's my worth and my worth is my experience and my connection to my truth Mm. and I was never allowed to have that so you know some ways I like to think I was the strongest actor there (laughs) 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 that I kept up with them but obviously not um it was just it was the status quo wasn't it Mm. you know this is this is the factory that we're, we're making people like this so if you get with that or you know go home basically and like the experience of working within outbox like how does that feel different like in kind of practice i think also um just quickly say like i think it's the same for any minority like people Mm. of color disabilities coming into Mm. those institutions as well it's not just obviously in my case it's like a sense of masculinity that Mm. i was repressing or told to repress Mm. but without box it was a devising process that's really accessible so Obviously, Ben comes in with an idea, but then you really do have free range to like bring something to the table. So I brought a few characters to the table, a few situations from my past or whatever, and you actually get them into the show. And if they're mm. like, I love humor. I'm always like doing some mad like comedy improvisation, but <laughs> it is funny being queer and it brings mm. that lightness and people think it's rooted in trauma. So <laughs> Ben's openness to the people and Cut, bringing people into the room that are coming from different places mm. it means we get to use those experiences and put them onto stage mm. maybe some of them are shit and they get canned whatever <laughs> but it is that freedom it's not like this this is the queer person this is the experience they've had it's like so mm. what 
go away with that person and do something about a first date. Mm. Obviously, something balmy comes back, but then it's like there's something in this. Like, what is it? Why do we like it? Why is it interesting? And refining down what you're saying and making sure that that experience is positive mm. and representative. Mm -hmm. I think that's what was good about it. And like going back to when you first formed and like you mm. had that kind of like open call, mm. like how did you go a bit about like starting to make work? Like what was that process of discovering like what that process was? Um, I'm trying to think back. <laughs> I think the, the work's changed a lot and I think that um, it's, it's become a lot bolder. Mm. So um, I think it's, it's always come from a place of uh, autobiography in a way mm. it's always come from stories that people have wanted to tell mm. and then thinking about the ways in which we might tell them so mm -hmm. um that we've never made a show that's been realist we've mm -hmm. never kind of gone here's the plot and we're following this character there's always been a sense of um so you might want to like Yaz just said you might want to talk about a first date but how else might we tell that story mm. what material might represent that story could we do that just through movement could we do that in, in a poem there's the, so many ways in which we might want to to explore those stories mm. um i think that the only sort of common feature has been mirror balls glitter <laughs> drops <laughs> there's always been a sense of that kind of uh, uh, that theatricality that camp or um cabaret maybe. yeah almost uh, i think it's that those sort of tropes really. that you see in yeah. cups i'm kind of obsessed with how theatres should feel like dance floors, that mm. they should feel like club spaces, mm -hmm. that that um, they should feel accessible and fun and like a great night out, that they mm. don't, they shouldn't be those kind of places where you sit <laughs> quietly and and dread and then pretend that you understood it at the end. Mm. There's, I, I want there to be that sense of party. Yeah, like the and, sound and design fun. of um, And the Rest of Me Floats, like I could feel the music like through the walls yeah. like and that feeling of like, oh no, I am in a queer club. Like this isn't the bush anymore. Like, yeah. no, we yeah. are like... Yeah, I mean, the RVT. Originally, we made the space, uh, made the, the show in a community centre, mm. and it was, and I think that informed the way it went into the bush. I mean, Emily, maybe you want to talk about the Rose Lipman, the gorgeous. Rose oh, Lippman. the Rose Lipman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it was kind of what you expect from a community centre. So there was, you know, a stage that we um, kind of played with, but we were mainly like on the floor with the audience, essentially. Mm. So there wasn't really any barrier between mm -hmm. us and them. Mm -hmm. There were points where we'd go up onto the stage and, you know take uh, costumes and try them on or throw mm. things down. But yeah, there wasn't that barrier. So um, at the end of the show, spoilers, where um, <laughs> there's a point where we uh, invite people to come and dance and sing with us. You know, they were right there. And yeah. so they could just step up and suddenly they're in the show. Mm. Whereas that was, I feel like that was a, quite a different experience at the bush. Mm. Um it definitely had to be more of a sustained effort um, to kind of break that divide with people and be like, no, really, it's okay. Yeah. Like, try and lead people in. And I was just, like, interested in, like, the autobiography, the way that it's synthesized with form, like, mm. that being, like, a big part of the process. Like, it's kind of like, what stories do we want to tell? And then, like, what interesting ways can we tell them? Like, how, how do you actually, like, do that? The genesis of the form, so we were always... I was always wanting to play with form, but actually... Um, um, and and to start with, we were th I was thinking about low form. I was reading um, Jack Halberstam and mm. and 
and they talk about low form and low theory mm-hmm. and kind of how there shouldn't be that difference between high culture and low culture. Mm. And so we were playing with karaoke and mm. stand up hmm. and jokes and dress up. And then one day we were we were all they were all telling jokes and Elijah, one of the performers, told this joke, which was um now I'm never going to do it as well as Elijah hmm. but it's um, when you're acting in a play and the director says can you try that transition again and you say again <laughs> um, and it made me think about um, a theatrical transition and uh, the process of transition and the fact that we're all in transition and gender transition hmm. and then it made me think about that as form so um, how can how could we make the theatrical transition the main form of the show Mm. so it felt like the scenes and the songs interrupted this long Mm. transition yeah I guess that's that's what our goal was yeah oh that's so cool to hear because like having watched it like it it was like the sort of movement sequence at the beginning was so satisfying and then like when they came back you were really like because it felt it felt like returning to the club Mm. and then when they sort of burst forth at the end it yeah I really yeah that makes sense to me interruptions and puncture and then and yeah that that movement uh, uh, sequence at the beginning which took hours to mm-hmm. rehearse yeah. um, was so um, specific and maintained and grid-like and then it was kind of as the show went on it exploded and it was silly string and mm. running around and trying on costumes so it was how that fractured and ruptured I suppose mm. like in the way that gender does in, mm. in the way that we kind of explore our gender and live our genders mm. and I'm really interested like, I'm finding it's kind of interesting in like this is maybe a bit meta podcast, but like um, in the discussion, like speaking to like Yaz and Emily as performers and then you as a director, like, and I'm interested in like how that actually works in the room. Like what that process is of like having material and then like kind of how, how you facilitate things. And like, maybe actually I'd like like to ask Emily this yeah. and then like <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. you guys can chat about it first and then we can go to yeah, Ben. Yeah. So we first started devising this show about two years ago. So it was summer 2017. And we were um, asked to bring in anything that we thought would be uh, kind of a stimulus, whether that was a piece of music or art. We had this whole wall that was covered with um, art that we thought would be an inspiration in some way to and art. And were you asked by Ben? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's by kind of universe. like... <laughs> 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 the gods asked me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so... It was quite free form in terms of the scope that we had, which I think mm-hmm. Yaz touched on. Mm-hmm. So we would veer off in kind of different directions. Just conversations that we'd have would result in us realizing there were some kind of shared cornerstones that we all had and that mm-hmm. we could maybe devise around. Um, obviously, Ben was try- like, it, I think it was Ben's job to try and get the idea of what the show is. Whereas I think for me personally, it was quite hard to see that until quite late towards the end of the process yeah. uh, where we were generating all this material that seemed quite disparate at the time. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we have we have a script. This is an actual show that where you can trace through lines here. Mm. Um, so I think that was, you know, a really impressive job like on Ben's part to actually whip all this material that we were generating into shape. Mm. And so like, it's everyone in the room at the same time. Like, it's not like, oh, you guys go off and write or, um, oh, um, let's work with you on your bit like today. Like, is it is it a sort of, does it feel super collaborative at all times? Uh, it was a mix, mm-hmm. I'd say. Um, a lot of the time would be us uh, 
you know, generating material or having exercises that we were doing together. Yeah, sometimes there would be, you know, splitting off into groups of one or two. I'm trying mm. to cast my mind back because this was two <laughs> years ago. I'm, but, yeah. I'm trying to, um, I can give you one example of a scene that came out of the show. Mm. I think we had this open conversation about the internet. I'm mm-hmm. talking about internet trolling mm-hmm. and all bad press and stuff like that. And to me, one of the performers was like, you know what, like the internet was like, a really amazing space for me when I was younger mm. and I was like yeah me too like I used to pretend to be a boy in line and then they were mm. like yeah I used to pretend to be a girl and then mm. we Ben was like do you want to go and try something about that mm. so me and Tam went into another room and basically made that up this like crazy scene about us co- imagine if well we were talking to each other as the <laughs> as the genders we felt mm. um at that time when we were young and so we came back with this sort of like scene and it wasn't like it was the concept was really good, and then I think mm. maybe a week later, Ben was like, "I think I really want to put this as a as a scene in the show. I think it's really interesting." So me and Tam like went back in that context mm. and made it something a bit more fluid. But it was this idea that Tamir was on Habba Hotel as a two centimeter avatar with, with a, <laughs> a high pony and a denim mini, and I was Calvin from the S Club Juniors <laughs> um, speaking, and we're having this date. Uh, we're like talking about what we wanted to say to each other and like living out our sort of gender dreams online Mm. and that's one of the first scenes in the show Mm -hmm. I think it is the first in the show so yeah it's like came up with this like discussion then it was like try it then no actually really try let's 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 hammer this down and get it like and think about what we want to say so that was one thing I think with medication um sort of a scene based around questions that people had asked um Emily Elijah and and Josh Susan like Mm. and that became like scene I don't feel want to talk about yeah that. yeah so with that scene I think for myself and Elijah it was um about going through the the system of gender identity clinics in mm. the UK which is a really archaic bureaucratic system mm. where you have to jump through a lot of hoops before getting access to any medical treatment at all mm. um for Josh Susan it was more to do with uh experiences of therapists mm-hmm. uh, uh, mainly And yeah, we were finding these connections and this common ground and we came away and ended up with a scene which was just a series of questions with no real, no more context ascribed to it really. Mm -hmm. So you were just getting all these questions rapid fire in isolation Mm -hmm. and it was creating this idea of this barrage that you get over time wearing Mm. you down, concentrated into what, two minutes? Mm. Yeah, so it's kind of like, it sounds like it's like, what, what is our common ground or like what are things that like, um, we've maybe experienced like maybe in, even in different ways and like how can we like explore that like together and then I'm kind of interested in like sort of how that's constructed because like I like being an actor I, I can understand being in that and then and then devising within that but like what mm. how you kind of refine things or or even in that question that I asked like did Ben ask you that like what you what you kind of start with and then what, how you respond to things, making sure that it's like naturally coming from the performers, but then also can kind of be sort of, I'm doing movements with my hands, like sculpted and like shaped into a show. Yeah, so, um, and the rest of me float started weirdly with those plastic sheets. Mm. (laughs) Um, There's a moment in the show where um, two of the performers trap Elijah and Tamir in this plastic Mm. Um, and we started I kind of tend to start show processes with really visually Mm. so with images with materials um, and so that's kind of where it began and then it really is about how so with, with seven performers 
there's a kind of polyphony of voices and experiences and it's and it's really so much is, is what they bring so for example the live music in the show mm. was never i never thought oh i know we'll have live music <laughs> it was um we had a karaoke machine and then emily went well i can play teenage dirtbag on my guitar and i was like mm. you can play a guitar <laughs> <laughs> like, and then they brought in their like she brought in her um electric guitar and just started thrashing it out mm. and then Elijah was like well I can play the drums and then everybody <laughs> had a drum each and then all of a sudden they were this amazing band so that you know it's, it's, it's like screw kind let's of, just start a band it's <laughs> these kind of ideas that, that come up and sort of going back to that idea of drama schools and even the theatre industry I think often the industry and, and training works from a, a deficit model it's like what mm. haven't you got Mm. You know, how can you how can you talk like this and move like this? And I think the outbox process is the opposite of that. It's what have you got? Mm. What can you bring? So Josh Susan's an amazing mover Mm. uh, and and Emily can thrash it out. And, you know, and Yasmin's just hilarious and tells these stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, all of these things became part of the process. I feel like I need to go through every actor that was in it. So, well, they didn't have that. They're all incredible, and they yeah. all brought that. They all brought these experiences, and also really purposefully, the cast is uh, intersectional. That there is so many. Um, you know, Michelle was able to talk about being Black British and being mm. part of. Um, their uh, heritage and and their background and their story. Mm. Barry was able to talk about what it was to be to grow up in rural Ireland uh, mm. as um, as a queer person. So all of those stories, there's there's a, a you, you know they're so different, but I think the process is about finding that similarity. What's the mm. thing that brings us all together, and what's what can we distill and make interesting? Mm. So and like, so it's like kind of pulling out what's kind of already there, and like and and like kind of like holding someone up to a light and being like, oh, like how do you like yeah. listen and shine? Mm. But then like I'm kind of interested in like how how you order things, how you like make it feel cohesive. Like because like you're saying, like there are so many kind of disparate skills and, and talents yeah. and like personalities. Like what is your process for getting it into what we as the audience see? I know you're trying to ask me that question. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going, I really appreciate well, what I does I happen? What do I do? It's quite it's quite a weird sort of. We basically make, we make for like a week, we just make random stuff. Mm. And I think, you know, as a company, when someone comes through and says, oh, you go away and do something, they come back, you kind of know, actually, there's something in that we talk about what's good about it. And then suddenly you have like maybe 10 potential scenes that could go in the show and people Mm. that connect to that. And then it starts to Mm. build and refine. And there's a scene in the darkness, right, Mm. where we all take off our clothes and there's a torch. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Like, yeah. It's called Finding the Light. We call it Finding the Light. Mm. thing that came out of us being in the studio for the day, turning off the lights and playing with the movement director. Mm. And it was this idea of it's clinical, it's sexy, it's it, people are obsessed with what's underneath clothes and mm. all this stuff. And that was just like this... Re- I think you've just got to have this really free process and these things come through. Mm. And there was a moment where we um, all as a company did our timelines. So we went from kind of being born <laughs> uh, to how old we are now mm. and made a list of that timeline and, mm. uh, and, and with certain events. Mm. Um, and so at the beginning of this process, we all had these timelines and we made this scene out of them, which was you know and it was really chronological Mm -hmm. 
and we were kind of going, why doesn't that work? Why, why isn't that interesting? And so then we started to kind of go, well, actually, it's because it's, it, it is chronological. It's kind of that, that, that's how time passes in a really normative way. Mm. So then we started to divide that up and, and make different events. So at the beginning, there's kind of 38, 22, 21, 19. Mm. So these life events, we started to think about the show as these kind of like different events from our lives kind of going through at different times and messing with that time and playing with, with time. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> does it, it does, just sound yeah. balmy? No. Um, and yes, one reviewer said it sounded like we were, that they were all bingo, bingo callers. callers. <laughs> bingo callers, I love that I was going to stay with me Wasn't forever. That actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I really, um, so yeah, so, so those like different ages and those events and, and, and yeah, and just trying to thread it in a way that I think that the Matrix thing works that it that it was very ordered and then by the end it became disordered mm. and by the end it was chaotic the audience were involved the audience were on stage they were talking you know it, it was this kind of journey from it being grid-like into being much messier mm. and like what I'm really interested in is like the way that you like all say we um because mm. I think it's interesting like with a devised process like um, so, for example, speaking to Rashdash, like they don't have a director, like yeah. they might have a dramaturg, like at points, and like you know they might have someone who runs their tech for them, but like really, like in the room, like making it, like figuring out the show, mm. like that's them. And I think it's really interesting because like you guys do have a director, but you still say we, like it's it's not so much like okay, well we make this and we do this, and then Ben steps in and says da 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 da, like it sounds like it's still quite organic and. I guess I'm the reason I was like sort of grilling you, Ben. I was, I was sort of trying to figure out like how what that process kind of looks like, or, or like what how your role intersects with like the kind of generation of material to the like, kind of like synthesis. But like with what um, Yaz was saying, it feels like it still kind of remains quite organic. I guess is that right? Yeah, I think. Well, Ben's really a really generous person mm. and I think that really shows in the way that we're talking about the process mm. and I think there is space for you and maybe he'll have a set idea about one scene but I think you can just come in one day and flip that on its head and be mm. like, no, do you know what? This is really interesting direction. What do you guys think? And we do have open discussions mm. but obviously there does come a time like this is a show like, come on guys, get it together. Lines <laughs> yeah. and like, this we fucking doesn't look good so move <laughs> over there and, and that does come in and that shifts doesn't feel drastic when mm. it comes because you know we've got to make the show and I think it's really interesting you made the show in we made the show in four weeks three and a half weeks wow and so this is when you first made it in 2017 mm. yeah, yeah. yeah and did it change much when it when it went on to other places yeah it, it changed quite a lot because one of the original performers um wasn't able to do it mm -hmm. then Michelle Tiwu came in and did it mm -hmm. and that was brilliant mm. because Shell brought such a different energy. Mm. It was never going to be Shell just learn these lines. <laughs> it, it kind of reinvigorated the whole process, mm. and uh, and so, of course, like we kept the structure of it, and a lot of it stayed the same. But then they were able to bring their experiences. They bring bring a different song that they sang mm. um, and the whole thing I think felt different and we scrapped mm. one of the scenes and did something else as well because uh -huh. it was just nice yeah. to kind of change it up a bit mm. yeah and what was that process of it getting like because it, so it's first stage in a community centre yeah and that was in 2017 and then yeah. what was the kind of journey did it have a home before it then went on to the bush like what was it was kind of mad because one of the reasons that we made work in a community sense, well, there's various reasons. It's great to, to be in those spaces, connect with those communities, to 
to make work that that people feel is really accessible. But another large reason is because I got tired of knocking on the doors mm. of, of the theatre industry. Mm-hmm. Like ten years ago is really even different to now. It's not like people are chomping at the bit to <laughs> program queer devised work now, but ten mm. years ago even less. And I got to a point where I got fed up of doing it. I kind of thought, fuck it. Like mm. if, if they're not going to program our work, then we're just going to put it on. We're just going to mm. do it. And so I'd sort of given up mm. with, with like the theatre industry. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought, let's just make the work and see what happens. Mm. Um, but then um, Charlotte um, Bowden, who is our producer and mm-hmm. also runs Queer House with Yasmin, mm-hmm. um, was producing this show and invited lots of people to come and see it in this community centre. And... Um, Lisa Bell came to see it, who um, is now exec director at the, oh, at the gate, big up Lisa Bell. but was um, <laughs> was a, was producer at the Bush at the time, and just had this real connection to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't thank Lisa enough for for the kind of commitment and um, how much they invested in the yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had like a couple of dates at Birmingham Rep as part of Shout Festival. Mm-hmm. And Lisa said to Stuart Pringle, uh, who was at the Bush at the time and is now at the National, mm. <laughs> like it was really weird. The whole team at the Bush that programmed it had left by the time we were at the Bush. <laughs> ah. um, so you've got to go to Birmingham and see the show. And mm. then kind of after a while, they, they programmed the show. Mm-hmm. We never would have expected that mm. because, um, you know, the Bush is so known for being a writer's theatre because of the kind of work that that we were making. And it was this experimental kind of weird show in a community (laughs) centre. We never thought that 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 would happen. I think that's amazing. Yeah, it was. It was an amazing kind of story. Yeah, but I think it's like so cool that the moment when you're like, actually, I'm not going to cater to like this industry. We're going to make what we want and we're going to put it on like wherever we'll have it so that we can like make it authentically and joyously. Like, and that's when people turn around like, oh, yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. because we weren't catering, it's like you say, we weren't catering to tastes. Mm. We were kind of, we weren't imagining what a programmer might think of it. Mm. We were kind of going, oh, fuck it, let's just do whatever we want. Yeah. And I think that, that kind of courage in the work mm. was recognised, which is which is really brilliant. But I want to say, there are so many other queer companies that are doing yeah. that, and, and and that don't have that opportunity. Mm. And it's a shame that that you know that that we don't see more work like that. Or mm. that I think that the British theatre industry is still really traditional compared to if you go, if you go into Europe. Yeah, like we're still really obsessed with the playwright and mm. the director. And I think clearly there's a place for that and, and there, there, there should be. Mm. But what about all the all the other ways that people are making theatre and yeah. experimenting with form? And, you know, you know, Rush Dash are a really good example of that, yeah. that they, they make this incredible, incredible work. But there are loads of other companies that are doing that. Yeah, I wonder how that could change. I just, in my head, I was like, it would be so cool if there was like a theatre that was just for devised, yeah. like, plays. Yeah. That'd yeah. be so cool yeah. if like, somebody like founded that. Heard it here first. Maybe we should yeah, do it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> if only we had loads of money. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, just because you mentioned um, Charlotte, how you guys produce. Like, um, obviously you've got like um, Charlotte Bowden, mm. but like, yeah, what what that journey, maybe even starting from like when it was formed to like that journey of like producing like work. I mean, for a long time, it was sort of self-produced as in um, like I was doing it and I didn't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of, producing it and then um Yaz actually um started producing mm. um so in a show that Yaz wasn't in 
was producing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I produced for Ben um, a show, Affection. I produced that because I had some experience producing some shows that I was doing myself. Mm-hmm. Then Charlotte, who was a shoe designer uh, for Zara. Oh, um, yeah, cool. Yeah, <laughs> walked another life, I tell you that. Um, kind of wanted to come on. Well, we were in a pub, I think. Sorry, this, this sounds really shit. No. But, um, and I was, oh, I was going to go into the show and the rest of the folks because uh-huh. of my experience. And the shot was like, well, if you guys can't do it, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> as of it, not like a joke, but I was like, oh, me and Ben was like, well, if you really want to work on it. But, but this time it was me and Ben in found spaces, getting reviewers in. The, the runs were only like two weeks long. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't... Because of the programming and things like that, it was coming out from the left field, mm-hmm. um, queer publications and stuff like that. And Charlotte's just like a dog with a bone, like ran mm-hmm. with it and got got a lot of people to come see the show and mm. really, and is now like an amazing independent producer. But So sorry, she, <laughs> sorry, what is Charlotte's pronouns? She, her. She, her. Yeah, so yeah. she was a shoe designer. She was a and shoe then designer. only through, and the rest of me for and the rest of the that She was like, I'm going to be and then a producer. Well, this she was so like, funny. I'll, and, represent and all, I'll represent all those. No agent would come and see the the, the mm. actors. So she was like, oh, fuck it. I'll make an agency then. That's amazing. Like, I hadn't realized that it had only been sort of two years in the making. Like, that yeah. sort of, like, turnaround. Yeah, like, th- th- this is the thing. Uh, mm. like, I mean, Charlotte is incredible, and as is Yaz, and, uh, and forming no the Queer House. <laughs> um, but, but really, again, it, it grew out of sort of disbelief charlotte's disbelief charlotte was like what um how have none of these amazing performers got an agent mm. wait so just so it's super clear for listeners yeah um, so the Koi house is an agency that's like i'm producing house mm. and yeah um so yeah but charlotte's ben's full-time producer as well yeah. Mm. yeah wow our boxer charlotte's first love <laughs> <laughs> but like that was queer house was formed it kind of in conjunction i guess with outbox Specifically, to so that like inspired yeah. by and the rest of me floats basically yeah. mm. the queer house yeah, yeah came out of and the rest of me floats amazing yeah. and like so many people have got loads of work because of it yeah it's like it's you're telling me it's amazing how <laughs> much that sh- like shaped the industry like not only this show but then also the queer house as well like that's that's mm. so cool I didn't know that yeah it, it, and 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 actually like when you're talking about it it, it isn't embarrassing it's it's kind of it is kind of queer yeah, yeah. it all sounds like, a bit like, messy and weird yeah this isn't how things normally work but <gasps> but they do work it's just a different kind of structure mm. when it, it's not the same old system it, it's mm. kind of i think we're just yeah yeah you know it does work yeah it? And, that's yeah. so cool emily i'm kind of interested in like music like and, okay. and how the music happens um like because i like with teenage dirtbag that sounds kind of incidental that was like we're doing on karaoke oh wait i can just play it (laughs) but like like how that like seeds into the process and how the music's discovered yeah so obviously we were talking a lot about karaoke like ben said something that's like accessible and it wasn't for the most part it wasn't particularly like musical theater Mm. it wasn't really um you know, some big choreographed routine. It was us expressing ourselves in a way that felt natural. Mm. So Teenage Dirtbag, I think that came from Elijah, didn't it? Yeah. I think that was in one of the very, very early Mm R&D kind of elements. Mm. Um, Elijah came up with that song. And 
Yeah, I think there was something really joyous in just the people who were musicians and instrumentalists in the cast, just being able to try and put something together. We worked with uh, our amazing musical director, Neil, as well, who was trying to like whip us all into shape desperately. Mm. Um, <laughs> and there were some people who were that quite... Was that in 2017, so like the first time yeah. it came yeah, out? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I think... we put more music in it for the birth. We did. We, we put a more. bunch more music yeah. in, yeah. yeah. Um, so Shell had a song, and then uh, I performed a song as well at that point, which wasn't in the original version. Mm-hmm. I think for some of the performers, it was some degree of uh, like vulnerability. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like, this was my first major theater project. And I was like, well, this I can do. I've been doing yeah. this like my whole life. Like, mm-hmm. So I think that was... That was um, Your comfort zone. Right? That was definitely my comfort zone. Yeah, that was something that I was like, okay, this is what I can bring to the mm-hmm. process, which was really nice to have. And like... Again, it's like a sort of deeply organic thing. It's like this came from this person or like this came from me wanting to do this and like bringing like what you want to do or like Mm -hmm. what a a kind of is it was it kind of case where it's like what song kind of sums up this feeling or sums up this experience? Is that kind of how? Yeah, a little bit. I think some of them came from Ben's suggestion. Some of them came from the actors. Uh, There's one part quite late on in the play and I can't remember how this came about but it was a scene where uh, Tamir is uh, running against these sheets of plastic and trying to break through mm. and it's a very climactic moment and, and plastic I, couture I think is yeah good. we ha- have all our little code words for scenes which right. the audience will never know but we know mm-hmm. um, and I don't remember at what point this came in but it was decided that I would be just making a bunch of noise with Elijah <laughs> so putting my guitar through like, a ton of pedals until it was very choppy and uh, I would be yelling uh, little snippets from newspaper headlines mm, or comments oh yeah. that people have made about trans people. Elijah was whacking the drums. And that that's quite cathartic because that that wasn't a set. Um, there wasn't a set order to that every mm. night. It was that felt very, very organic in a way that performing music in theatre often doesn't. And how did that come about? Like who's who, who like. So, yeah, it's like if there's an image that's happening mm. and then somebody needs to go, okay, can someone do this? Like, how about this? Like, how did, how did that kind of moment for, as an example come about? Yeah, I think it comes from, I suppose, what you were talking about earlier about how we structure it. I think that came from, we'd looked at, we kind of looked at everything that we'd made so far and went, okay, there's nothing here that speaks to rage, mm. punk. Mm. Um, and so, so we started to think about that and how we could do that in a sort of non-stereotypical way. Mm. So that idea of Tamir kind of bursting through the plastic and, you know, in the kind of suspenders and the high heels. And then we were thinking about kind of Riot girl punk. Mm. Like how could we convey that anger in a way that felt a bit unsettling, a bit edgy um mm. so again thinking about how we might convey a feeling or a story but through a different form mm. and so i'm really interested in the way that it's like what don't we have yet or what's missing yeah. like um yeah yeah there's something really interesting and like organic about the way it sounds like you work mm. where like there comes a point where like okay we've got something of a show mm. but it needs this like um yeah. how can we create something that's a bit like this yeah is that kind of right yeah, definitely, because I think that um, one of the things that we that we do when we start is an exercise where we say, what do we want to make and what don't we want to make? Mm. And the what don't we want to make inevitably is always much bigger. Mm-hmm. So everybody <laughs> were kind of, was kind of saying, 
as a group, we don't want to make a show that's rooted in trauma. Mm. We don't want to show trans bodies and lives that are victimized in trauma. That, mm. that we're not all going to, you know, the lesbian's not going to die twenty minutes in. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you know, we want to make something that feels joyful, that feels hopeful, that mm. fe- that's sort of reaching towards something uto- utopia- utopian. There's something about that that we want to explore, but then we can't ignore that, you know, we can't ignore those other things. We can't Mm. ignore that actually it's a shit time to be gender non-conforming. We can't ignore that there is pain. Mm. But what we wanted to do is kind of show those glimpses but the overall feeling of it at the end yeah. was um, of of hope, I think. Yeah, and radical of, of joy, joy. and hope. And, and, and taking yeah. the piss out of ourselves. You know, like <laughs> that oh, yeah. stand-up moment is like literally like, this is so joke, this is what happened to me, this is what happened to me. And I think people just like learn to laugh mm. with you, not mm. like at you. Mm. And I think that's a really great way to like directly connect to the audience, be like... It is messy being like trans. It is messy being queer. Like random stupid shit happens to you all the time. <laughs> Let's have a joke about it. Like, and I think that was a really amazing mm. bit at the end. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, that was really interesting because I've done so many projects where, um, as a trans performer, you're expected to bring a lot of your own kind of mm. personal history, a lot of your own journey to inform that. And this was, this was a project where you know, you were still making yourself vulnerable, but in mm. ways where you had more control over, I think. Wow. Yeah. So this, this wasn't like, here is my journey. Here are all my lowest moments. I'm yeah. going to put these on stage. And as well, <laughs> ben, you, ben was talking about like the timelines um, of, you know, it going from your birth to all these big events that had happened to you leading up to now. Mm. There is such an expectation, I think, for trans performers to have, oh, for trans people, sorry, mm. to have this before and after. Yeah. And that, and that factors into so many stories that are told about us. Mm. And so to be able to just take these little, these tiny little snippets and, you know, remove the context there almost, yeah. that felt quite empowering. Mm. I'm really interested as well in like the exercises, like that exercise of like what, what, what show do we want to make? What show do we not want to make? Mm-hmm. Like, what other exercises, like, if you can think of any, if you can remember any, like, were used in the process? There was a real funny exercise was like, okay, we were having a bit of an intense day. I think we were talking and then we, I think we would be like, oh, do you know, that the energy's a bit off. Like, why don't you go away in groups and just make the the, the most hell show that you <laughs> oh, can yeah. make? Like, oh, yeah. hell on wheel singing. I think me, Barry and Tam went into a room and I was like, look, let's get... Britney Spears, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Let's <laughs> do some really intense physical theatre to it. And like, just, just you know, all that kind of cliches. I always remember all the really weird stuff. <laughs> this was a joke, something, and then like, we all came in. It's and a very just, serious process, actually. Was, <laughs> and then um, we performed this bit where it was like, you know, cliche, like pointing, laughing, being like, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Like these really random, stereotypical, gendered movements. Mm. And like, I think you did one about masculinity, like the dad not accepting yes, the son. Yeah. And like, I remember, punch. Um, I remember, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I remember ours ended with um, this troubled, uh, traumatized kid yelling to the bully, stop, I'm just like you. And then we all turn holding hands and like raise them, which, um, yeah. Yeah, but was that was lot. just an exercise. But it just it just remembered where what we were trying to do and why that theater's there. And, you know, it's not got a place, but it was a bit. But yeah, just things like that, like go away and write a poem or go away and think about masculinity, go away and do a dance piece about, mm. sounds a bit pedestrian, but it, no. it is structured and it gives us different energies and forms mm. and textures that we can 
fuck with, basically. And so, like, you know, in that moment where it's like, oh, wait, this energy's off. Like, yeah. let's go away and, like, make a hell show. Like, who, like, I'm interested in, like, who said, like, wait, this energy's off? Or, like, Ben. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> and then, like, the suggestion for, like, the weird, mad exercise. I think it, ben, I think, yeah. <laughs> think Ben. I think also, like, there were moments in the process where it got really heavy. Yeah. Because we were dealing with this really raw autobiographical material. Mm. And a lot of the stuff that we shared, like, those timelines, if you saw them you know they were really intense it was never my intention or our intention to 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 stage all of this stuff mm. but I think in order for us to get to a place where we were able to share some of us and I think what the performers in the show do really beautifully and I think the reason that a lot of people connect with that show is because it feels like they are offering a bit of themselves to you there's, mm. there's something about that and so I think you've got to go through that kind of trauma those dark horrible <laughs> days mm. those that yeah like we've got to go into a room now and just mess about for an hour it, it, all of that feeds into how you can make the work mm. um but yeah there, there would be things like uh, like with the plastic sheets we'd spend hours, hours. just moving them and manipulating them mm. you know it, with in the dark room with torches just looking at what images worked what images didn't work Mm. Um, and sometimes generating it could be a road to nowhere as well so sometimes it's like you know you know what this doesn't work we'll move on and like you're, I think you're not taking enough. that it's not taking that personally as well that I think mm. is um, really important in a process like this because everything has to ultimately be serving the show you know mm. like something can be a really interesting process and lead to other ideas mm. but yeah, it's um, even if you have something where it's like, oh, I love this. It's just like, does it have a context within this show? Yeah. One of my favorite scenes in this show was a story from Elijah when he talks about, um, he doesn't mind me saying this, it's in the playtext. Um, he was talking about the conversation that he would have with his uh, grandma and his grandma isn't alive anymore and mm -hmm. um, she was living with dementia and talking about kind of the process of, of, of talking to his grandma now as a, as a, as a trans man. And we sort of had the conversation where Elijah said, I, I really don't feel comfortable portraying that on stage, mm. but I'd really like it if Yaz and Barry did. Aww. So Yaz and Barry went away and, and devised the scene mm. around that. And it was so moving mm. to present that story to Elijah with Elijah's consent. Mm. And because it, it was kind of one, removed from them, there was a real care about the way that they crafted it mm. and, and generosity in presenting it to him and even you probably won't even notice as an audience member but when they when they perform that scene Elijah sits on the corner of the stage and mm. watches it mm. so so yeah we kind of played with each other's stories as well and, mm. and how yeah so I think it was just a lot of uh, the exercises came from what's the story that we want to tell mm. how many different ways might we tell this mm -hmm. I think uh, so can we tell this just through movement can we do this with plastic can we can we sing you know Teenage Dirtbag was kind of about uh, your your kind of like second puberty like when mm. you when you when you transit or start taking tea or whatever and the fact that Elijah couldn't reach the high notes anymore <laughs> yeah. like that failing at teenage dirtbag that was just something really funny and poignant and sometimes your audience some of your audience would would connect and know that and some of them wouldn't mm. and so much of this show was about the audience I think mm. yeah. teenage dirtbag is just like a tune anyway yeah. so like everyone buzzed everyone. off it but <laughs> obviously Ben had a good academic. You might as well put it. You might as well put it in your play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Any Lesson to any uh, aspiring playwrights. <laughs> Teenage Dirtbag in it. It's a great song. Um, I feel like so much of what we've been talking about has been focused, like you keep sort of saying this show, like, and, and I feel like there's been loads of like kind of analysis and thought about the process specifically of and the rest of me floats. Like I'm interested in like beyond this show, mm. like what the company looks like, like how, like is, is there a core company? Like, is it always the same performers? Like what does like, the actual like company look like? So I'm the artistic director. Yaz is an associate artist. Um, Barry Fitzgerald, um, who was also in And the Rest of Me Floats, is an associate artist. So he uh, runs a lot of the education. So we do loads of education and participation alongside mm. the um, productions. So he, um, like at the moment, we're doing workshops across the UK with LGBT youth groups. Mm. And we run um, transacting workshops um, mm -hmm. in collaboration with Gender Intelligence mm. that Emily was talking about before. So Barry does that. And then Charlotte produces. Mm -hmm. And then um, actors come for different projects. Mm -hmm. So we're making, we're in the sort of early stages of making a new show now mm. that will have a completely new cast. And a lot of that's practical as well because mm. we're hoping to tour and the rest of me floats next year oh, cool. at the same time that we're making this show. So, mm -hmm. so there will always be a kind of a, a core group of performers and, and, and performers that have done. So Elijah's been in quite a few shows. Yaz has, Barry has. There's people. Josh Susan. Josh Susan was in the first show that we did ten years ago. Mm. Wow. So yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a, a group of performers that we work with, but mm. unlike. You know, keep talking about rash dash fingers because <laughs> um, of the podcast that you've just done with them. But there, there isn't a sort of core of perform. There isn't. Mm. It's not the same performance doing. Yeah, there's a kind of fluidity show. to it. Autobiographical. You can't. Mm. You know, I've got the same bloody story. Same bloody life. <laughs> <laughs> bing bang bonging on about the same thing. But like, you know, it's also yeah. that idea of I think um, of new voices and mm. and oh god, um, I got this. Um, Tigger, who's uh, an actor that uh, was in a show with us a few years ago, ran a workshop with um, some trans youth in Brighton uh, mm. with a youth project last week and sent up some of the writing that they'd done this morning. Mm. And I was just reading it in tears going, oh. this is incredible. These young, what these young people have written. And I kind of think so much of what, what we want to do is inspire those younger and older people and, and include them. Mm. I love that, that Emily's story is that um, you know, it was part of this transacting workshop, and now um, is a professional actor. Mm. That, that there's there's a kind of trajectory there. Yeah. So it's almost like because it, it's so linked with the community work, and it's yeah. so linked with yeah. like sort of bringing people in. Yeah. Like that's that fluidity is necessary in order to like in in its kind of mission statement. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't mm. think you ever feel just like an actor in a show. Like mm. I think because you own the show, because you own your own experiences, and Ben's really like generous again. It's like you know there is like a connection there like even if you're not in every production mm. like I produce obviously I've um I'm assistant assistanting Ben assistanting yeah, <laughs> assisting Ben <laughs> on the next show because mm -hmm. that's something maybe that's something I'm interested in and there's yeah. like Ben holds those spaces for us all like I'm sure, like Emily, will get involved in another project in the future. Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And, and also, like know. you know, um, might go and run workshops with young mm. people. We mm. really want that yeah, to, that to, to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, what does success look like for you, like as a company? Like, if you were to imagine like the company in like five years or ten years, like what would be kind of like the dream? Yeah, it's it, it, it's a really tricky question because I think so much of success is again bound in 
how do I say this without and sounding really cheesy? Yeah, achievements, prestige. Yeah, yeah. Well, how other like people that. see you. The, the question in my head is always, who are we making this work for and why are we making it? Mm. And I think that the minute it's because you want accolades or mm. because you want someone to program it, well, we've seen that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that the question that I keep constantly asking is, like, why are we making it? Who is our audience and why is this important? Mm. We had um, three... Uh, school groups come to and the rest of me floats mm -hmm. so these matinee performances where 50 young people came that otherwise wouldn't so but fortunately and um, so central school speech and dramas outreach department pay for them to come hmm. and they were from schools that would otherwise not have access theatre mm. and it was incredible it mm. was that their energy they stormed the stage they were <laughs> in tears uh, and i kind of think genuinely that outbox's mission should be to 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 affect some kind of change or or to inspire some of those young people to go, okay, I could do this, or that's my story, or mm. I've learned something about someone else's story. Because mm. um, it's hard, it, it's, it's hard to get your work programmed and mm. it's hard to get your work out there. I think being at the bush has as, as opened some doors, but it's, you know, you're still knocking at them mm. constantly. Um, so yeah, that's a roundabout way of saying we we want to keep making work and be more ambitious i think about the form in which that that work might take place mm, but at the core and at the root of it is who gets to see it yeah, yeah. Who gets to be inspired yeah. by it and it would love to i'd love to take the work out of the uk mm. It'd be amazing to, to tour internationally mm. um because again it's about those audiences and who's who's seeing it mm. This is a kind of question, like company-wide, but also you can answer as an individual. Um, what do you think inspires you? I think actually going back to those school matinees, seeing those young people come into the theatre, some of them may not identify as queer or trans, obviously, mm. um, but just seeing them accept us and mm. think that we were not cool or whatever, but they <laughs> were just kind of like down with the whole LGBT thing. Mm. They loved it. They were supporting their other class members that may be queer. Some, mm. Someone came up to me and said, I'm trans. I literally went mm. behind stage and like cried because mm. if I was young and I'd seen that show when I was 15, it would have changed my whole world. Like mm. literally it. And I think those moments really inspired me um because mm. i've spent just brought it up so i think to keep affecting families and talking about the experience and helping um but yeah i mean ben inspires me is oh. that really oh. easy to say that um, yes <laughs> that's really sweet yeah you inspire me too oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> and emily really inspires me too you know your experience me. but anyway um yeah that was a really inspirational moment um for the company i think for me personally as well going mm. through a lot of bullying and stuff when i was younger I'm sure, i was, I was as I'm sure everyone has experienced if you're othered in any way. Mm. But that was like a full circle. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think actually doing And the Rest of Me Floats was such an inspiring experience in terms of the reaction to it, especially because when it's just the seven of you plus director plus, you know, assorted others just <laughs> in a room making a show, it's it's so hard to imagine how that's going to be received by people. Mm. And that's so much of the show happens, especially in a show like this, when people respond to it and when people react in whatever way they do. And I think there was a lot of 
uh, trepidation, especially with the uh, schools that were coming in. Mm. But yeah, like Yaz was saying, the reaction to that just blew us away. I also had friends who came to see the show just, you know, because I was in it. Mm. Um, and they wanted to come along and see their friend who aren't really theater people at all, who who are queer and trans people who came away from it like, oh, okay, I didn't know that theater could be this, mm. essentially. And that was an amazing uh, reaction to get. And I think that's really inspiring me to try and make work that also broadens the idea of people of what theatre can be and who theatre can be for. Yeah, that's mm. amazing. Mm. I think that um, queer histories inspire me a lot. Mm. Um, so the next show that we're making, um, we're working with two performers who are over 60 as well as two performers in mm. their 20s and talking about the kind of legacies and histories of, of queerness. Mm. So th those stories that we've, that we've never heard, I, I find really inspiring and particularly the idea of bringing older people and younger people together to share those mm. stories. And um, I'm also inspired by loads of other amazing queer artists, mm. people like Rachel Young, mm. people like Michael Johnson, mm. um, uh, Emma Franklin, those people that are putting themselves out there and making this really inspi inspiring, amazing work. Mm. And also other forms, so um, dance and art and, you know, all and cinema, how... how those things really inspire me in clubs and mm. fashion. Mm. Like I, I kind of think that those are the things that I want to bring into, into the space. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's such a brilliant answer. I'm really like, uh, I feel quite moved, like, but because like with what Yaz was saying about like young people seeing the show, because I definitely felt that way. Like after watching it, I was like, if I'd seen that when I was like 15, it, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Like, I'm just going to say word for word, it would have like changed my world. But then also that queer legacy and things that we don't know that have been lost, that have been buried. Like, mm. it just feels like the work that you do, a lot, like both of those things, like looking at the past and or like the young people coming up and then looking like yeah. at the past, like with people who are, are queer, but whose stories haven't been told, but also the way that you kind of embed the community into the work you do. It's just so inspiring. I feel very oh. grateful that you came and spoke to me. Oh, we're really it's happy been to, such an honor. to be here. Don't it's get great. many offers, Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be, they should be knocking on your doors. <laughs> Thanks so much for, Thank you. for having us. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks so much for listening to Making It. If you'd like to hear more, make sure to subscribe and leave us a cheeky five-star review. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Way, and you can book to see my debut play, The High Table which will be on at the Bush Theatre in Shepherd's Bush from February the 8th. Making It is produced by Jane Ryan, edited and scored by Kazra Faruzia, photography by Jess Ravel, artwork by Theo Banner, and hosted by me, Temi Wilkie. The podcast is supported by the Bush Theatre and London Playwrights and is a proud member of the One Fine Play Network.